Hey, this is Andrew from the Medical Money Podcast. Here we share tips and tactics to help doctors earn, grow, and protect their money. Please share it with your colleagues. Today, I'm going to share with you my five pillars of personal finance. It's my framework for thinking about my money, and a lot of my podcast content is anchored to these pillars. I used to be obsessively focused on chasing the next big thing and wasted a lot of time and money. Just ask my wife. But perspectives change as you get older. The amounts get bigger and you have mouths to feed. Completing my diploma in financial planning last year helped me get a more global and holistic approach to my finances. It also pointed out major blind spots in my thinking. Like the old saying goes, you don't know what you don't know. There are a lot of concepts in this episode, so I have created a flowchart to make it easier for you to follow. You can get the chart at medicalmoney.com slash pillars. That's P-I-L-L-A-R-S. This is another me, myself and I episode where it's just me and the voices in my head. So please share your perspectives with me by sending me an email at andrew at medicalmoney.com. This podcast is not financial advice, and all opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own. Please seek professional advice before making any financial or investment decision. As medical students, we were taught a five-pillar approach to clinical medicine. Essentially, we all use the same five elements, history, exam, investigations, diagnosis, and treatment. To monitor a patient's progress, we do a periodic review. Whether you're a GP, surgeon, or anaesthetist like me, we are always using this framework in our professional lives. Let me introduce you to a five-pillar framework that you can use in your personal financial life. Conveniently, I've made all of them begin with the letter I. The letter I also looks like a Greek pillar. I want you to visualize these five eyes as the pillars holding up your financial Parthenon. The five pillars are 1. Income 2. Investments 3. Insurance 4. Independence and 5. Inheritance Now let me elaborate a little bit on each one and highlight some of the key elements you might want to consider. For every pillar, I'll also include an action step for you to complete. The action steps are important because whilst knowledge is power, only action gets results. Pillar number one, income and expenses. This is about understanding how cash flows in our lives. The aim here is to have more income than expenses, where income minus expenses equals savings. If you don't have savings, you have a real problem and should get it checked out by a trained professional. So how can we increase our income? Well, there are four main ways to make income. Let me explain. The first is to earn it by trading time or expertise for money. Most of us do this in our clinical practice. Number two is run a business which leverages other people's time and money. Many doctors do this by owning their own clinic and having contractors. Thirdly, you can lend money out and receive interest. This includes savings accounts, fixed deposits, and bonds. And the fourth way to make income is to buy assets that either give you an income stream or can be sold off in the future for a capital gain. And how about expenses? The key here is to separate needs from wants, necessities from nicety. As doctors, we get paid more than enough to cover our needs. It's our wants that cause us real problems. I believe we can have anything we want, we just can't have everything we want. There is no problem with buying a Porsche, Rolex or Birkin. We all need dreams to inspire and motivate us. I once heard someone say the key to happiness is to have what you want, but also want what you have. I'm also a believer that looking for ways to increase income is much more progressive than going full out frugal. 
It's like a game of football or any ball sport for that matter. Defense is important, but you actually need to kick some goals to win the game. Income action step. I want you to complete a cash flow statement by listing your income and expenses for a typical month and year. I've created one for you at medicalmoney.com slash cashflow. Pillar number two, investments. The reason we invest is to increase the buying power of our money in the future. The reason we need to invest is because we can't work forever and neither can we trust that the government will look after us. Just look at the huge amount of debt they are in right now. There are so many different types of investments, we can't mention them all here. But I tend to categorize investments into two main groups, core and alternative. Core investments are made up of fixed interest, cash, shares, and real estate. Core investments tend to have a good government-supervised regulation, and they are more likely to have liquidity if you need to sell. Alternative investments include cars, art, wine, and cryptocurrency. These tend to have less liquidity and may be largely unregulated, putting your assets at risk. Now, I want to introduce to you the three demons and three angels of investing. I was raised Catholic, so forgive me for the analogy. There are three money demons we face every day of our lives. Like the devil, they are there burning our money. Demon number one, inflation. This is where the cost of living tends to go up over time. So it's important to understand the concepts of nominal versus real returns, where real returns factors in the effect of inflation. Demon number two, tax. The public coffers will always want a share of our good ideas and hard work. Demon number three, fees. This is the sandpaper that wears away at our money. It comes in the form of brokerage, stamp duty, and management fees. So let's meet the three angels of investing, the guiding principles that will guide us towards financial heaven. Angel number one, compounding. In episode number eight, I explained how the aim of investing is to make our money have money babies and for those money babies to have more money babies. The earlier we start making money babies, the more money you will have. But there is another element to compounding and that is the compounding of our knowledge and confidence that we build over time. Angel number two, diversification. Spreading our money into different asset classes helps insulate us from a cataclysmic disaster. We talked about core and alternative investments a moment ago. For me, I really like shares because you can only lose what you put in and I can get exposure to different industries in different geographical locations. Others love property and that's great. My advice is to pick a couple of asset classes that interest you and spend some time learning about each of them. Angel number three, tax-effective structures. This is hugely important given that most full-time doctors are going to be on the highest marginal tax rate. Make sure you have a good accountant to advise you here. Using the correct holding structure will save you tax and offer you an element of protection should someone decide to sue you personally. Some assets are also more tax-effective. An example is investing in companies that have ESIC status. This makes them capital gains tax-exempt if you sell within 10 years. Investment action step. Complete a balance sheet by tallying up all your assets and liabilities. I've made one for you at medicalmoney.com slash net worth. Take a look at your assets. Are they diversified? Are your structures tax effective?
And now a quick word from our sponsor, ShareSight. ShareSight is the simplest way to monitor and manage your share portfolio. If you own shares, you know how tedious it is to maintain a spreadsheet of your holdings. There's transaction prices, brokerage, confirmation notes, and dividend payments you'd need to account for. If you're an active trader, paperwork is an absolute nightmare. ShareSight takes care of all of that. I discovered ShareSight in 2019. It was like being gifted with another set of eyes and my own personal portfolio accountant. ShareSight automatically calculates capital gains, dividends, and franking credits. It even automates brokerage, dividend reinvestment, share splits, and exchange rates for my overseas holdings. You can even give your accountant advisor access so they can take care of things at tax time. You can try ShareSite for free and manage your portfolio of up to 10 shares. As a valued listener of my podcast, I've twisted their arm to get you two months free access if you decide to upgrade to their premium features with an annual subscription. Visit this link, medicalmoney.com slash ShareSite. That's S-H-A-R-E-S-I-G-H-T to get started and say goodbye to spreadsheets forever. Now back to the five pillars. Pillar number three. Insurance. The purpose of insurance is to provide financial protection from the unexpected. Unfortunately, nothing has been able to protect us against COVID-19. Insurance can be divided into three categories. The first category is general insurance. General insurance policies allow you to insure your home and contents, motor vehicle, health, travel, mortgage, and pet. The second category is personal insurance, where there are five main policy types. Income protection. This pays you if you can't work due to illness or injury. As doctors, we want to make sure we're covered for our own occupation, not any occupation. Since 2014, income protection within super is only able to cover any occupation, so technically you won't get paid out if you can still flip burgers at Macca's. Income protection payouts are paid monthly and are taxable, but premiums are tax deductible. The next four personal insurances have lump sum payouts. Life insurance. This pays upon death or end-stage terminal illness where you have only months to live. Trauma insurance. This covers cancer, heart attack, stroke, and a number of other traumatic events. You get paid even if you make a full recovery. The money is to alleviate financial stress while you seek treatment and convalesce. Total and Permanent Disability Insurance, or TPD. This gives a payout when you can no longer do your job due to an ailment that meets your policy criteria. Common conditions include neurological diseases like multiple sclerosis. Interestingly, a significant number of payouts are now for mental health. Needle stick. This pays if you contract a bloodborne disease that precludes you from your work. For example, if you stuck yourself as a surgeon and contracted HIV, you would no longer be able to continue your normal practice. The third category of insurance is professional indemnity. This insurance protects you from malpractice, clinical errors, and other complaints. I believe it's worth taking out an indemnity policy even if you are a medical student or full-time hospital employed. If you own a practice, then there are policies associated with running a business, but they are beyond the scope of personal finance. Insurance action step. Take a look at your general personal and indemnity insurance policies. Ask yourself, are they still relevant for my current circumstances? Am I appropriately covered? If not, then now's the time to get them sorted out. Pillar number four, independence and retirement. At some point, we will stop working as doctors either because we want to or because we have to. There are three key points to discuss here. They are financial freedom, retirement, and superannuation. Financial freedom, We can choose to stop work when we have reached a point of financial freedom. This is the point where our income from investments is greater than our expenses. 
So how much do you need to become financially free? Everyone is different, but roughly you will need an investment portfolio that is 25 to 40 times your annual expenses. This number is bigger than most people realize, but it means you won't have to touch your principal when you stop work. Effectively, this will fund your living until death, leaving your assets to be passed on to future generations. If you plan to draw down on your principal, then obviously you might not need such a large investment portfolio. Just remember, your house is not included as an investment as it is not income generating and you can't eat your house when you run out of money. Retirement and superannuation. The government has a superannuation scheme that's there to help us save for our retirement. Super is a very complex topic and legislation is always changing. At its core, the government wants us to provide for ourselves during retirement, but on the other hand, they don't want us to get too many tax benefits from ploughing all of our money into our super accounts. Superannuation is very advantageous from a tax perspective compared to investments held outside of super. The downside is we have to wait until we retire or hit our preservation age to get our hands on our cash. While we're working, our super is in what's called accumulation phase. Upon retirement, we can commute up to $1.6 million into a pension phase account. Pension phase accounts are tax-free. Super is very complex and we all need paid financial advice to plan for retirement. If you don't understand the difference between concessional and non-concessional contribution, then it's time to speak to someone who does. Independence action step. Calculate how much you need to have in investments to become financially free. To do this, take your annual expenses from the action step in pillar one and multiply it by 30. Then go and get an update on all your superannuation statements so that you know how much you have and where your super is being held you may need to consider consolidating some of your accounts to save money on wasted fees. Pillar number five, inheritance and decision-making. The questions you need to have answers to are what do you want to happen when you die and what do you want to happen when you become incapacitated? There are three legal documents you need to have prepared. They are a will, power of attorney, and advanced care directive. Document number one, your will. This decides how your assets will be distributed and who will look after your dependents. The notion of a testamentary trust that holds your assets needs to be explored and you can't do this with a $10 will kit from the newsagent. Pay to get a lawyer. Document number two, power of attorney. This expresses who you want to make financial decisions on your behalf when you are unable to make them for yourself. Document number three, advanced care directive. This expresses your wishes, preferences and instructions for healthcare, end of life and personal matters. You can appoint one or more suitable decision makers to act on your behalf. In an upcoming episode, my lawyer Tim will explain each of these in more detail and give you examples of how things can go very wrong. Inheritance action step. Review your will, power of attorney and advanced care directive documents. Are they relevant to your current circumstances or do they need to be updated? If you don't have all three, then it's time to get them created. So there you have it, my five pillars of personal finance. Income, investments, insurance, independence, and inheritance. I urge you to assess each one individually and take action if necessary. It's easy for us to say we will leave it until tomorrow, but the problem is that tomorrow never comes. I hope my framework gives you a structure upon which you can grow your knowledge base. If anything, it will enable you to have a meaningful conversation with a financial planner about your current situation. Thanks for listening today. Please send me an email. I love getting your feedback and always try to respond as quickly as I can. 
See you in the next episode. If you're interested in learning how to optimize your finances, please subscribe to this podcast. Also, head over to my blog, medicalmoney.com and subscribe to stay updated. If you know a colleague who might also find this information useful, please share this with them. I'd love to get your feedback, so send questions, comments, and recommendations to me at andrew at medicalmoney.com. See you in the next episode.